we've been looking at some lies, some deception, some things that uh, may not be all that easy to spot. Um, but there's some, there's some truths that, that the enemy, God's enemy, Satan, has twisted. And we looked two weeks ago about who, who's behind deception and, and then just specifically trying to identify some of the things that he's twisting so that we'll, we will buy into subtle twists that would have great impact on our lives. And so last week we looked at something related to authority, that people, you know, we all have authorities over us. And I'd encourage you to take a listen to that. You can find it on our website. And um, even two weeks ago, just to kind of get some of the context of where we're, where we're going. Uh, but today we're, we're talking about sex. And something that comes up in our society all over the place. Um, you know, it's in every movie out there. It's in most advertising. It's, it's all around us. And, and I want to look at this issue because I think this is another one of those twists where um, there's, some, there's some tweaks on this area from what God had originally designed and intended for, for sex. And um, as I've been prepping for these messages, this one in particular, um, you know, this one in particular, I've been like, oh, Sunday's coming. This is a, this is a difficult topic to talk about. And so I'm just going to let you know that. And um, <laughs> I mean, Because obviously it's not something we sit around and talk about at church all the time. But it is something that God wants us to look at on occasion and to see if things are in line with the way he's designed them. So we're going to take a look at a, a movie clip here which illustrates our culture's view of sex. And um, you're going to have to listen carefully because it kind of, he goes right in and he asks a question. This is from the movie When Harry Met Sally. And he asks a question about um, how many people has she had sex with. And so I'd like you to watch this video and we'll, we'll jump off from there. into something that is just the norm, right? And so this is nothing unusual to us. I mean, this movie was made over 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago. This is, we've come a long way even from this. But in our society, this is casual, this is the norm. It's not shocking, but it's so far from what God intended and has instructed for his people. And um, the scripture, we look at the scripture on this and it just seems so outdated. When we look at this issue, it just seems so irrelevant. It seems so 2,000 years ago because we're, we've come such a long way and we're just, um, we're so much further than that. And, but I'm convinced that what the Bible has to say 
is still absolutely true and relevant as God gives us instructions and, and sets some boundaries around sex. But beyond that, I think what we find from the Bible is that there is just some common sense good advice related to, to this topic. And I want to get into this um, because I know this impacts all of us in this room. Every single one of us has, Im- has been impacted by this twist. And so... In fact, there's an insight that we're going to look at today that psychologists and psychiatrists, they actually, um, they have names for these things. But it was back here in the Bible 2,000 years ago, and, and it's so incredibly relevant that as old-fashioned as it sounds, we still need to hear this. It's still for us. It's still worth talking about. And most of us, we're just going to get up after church is out. We're going to leave these, you know, these doors. We're going to go back into our culture, and we're going to think, that was interesting. You know, what would you expect from a church? What would you expect from the preacher? Um, and we're just going to dismiss some of the things that we're looking at today. Because it just seems so impractical. But I think in our hearts, and I think in the hearts of most people, maybe except for the most calloused individuals, there are some things that really ring true for us in what God has to say about sex. And so I'd like you to start by considering a question I have for you. Here's the question. Has sex outside of marriage made your life, made our lives better or just more complicated? Has, has sex outside of the context of marriage, outside of what God has decided, has it made our lives better? Has it made our society better? Or is it making things more and more complex and complicated? And let's just be Americans for a moment. Let's not even bring the Bible into it yet. But if we'll just get together and we'll think through this question and, and ask ourselves, is it working? Are we better off? Are, are, are we happier? Has casual, non-committal you know, sex, has that made us any happier think about it I read there's a there's an I'm going to pull up this slide here um, there's a pamphlet that was put out by the um, International Planned Parenthood Foundation and the Girl Scouts of America partnered with them on distributing this booklet to young girls it's entitled Healthy Happy and Hot and it is a guide on um, rights sexuality and living with HIV but this was approved to be distributed among the Girl Scouts. And here's a quote, and I want you to, to, to listen to this quote. It says, Sex can be really great, and it can be really fun. There's no right or wrong way to have sex. Just have fun. Explore and be yourself. It's your body. You choose what you do, when you do it, and how and with whom. That's disturbing. But we have to ask ourselves, are the children healthy, Are they more healthy? Are they more wholesome because of sex? Are more people staying together because of sex? Are marriages lasting longer? Uh, Has it helped the economy, the way that we view sex in our society? I mean, this is really alarming. Now, not every Girl Scout troop needs to be boycotted and banned. You still can buy cookies and all that. I'll still buy cookies. I'm not sure how this is being circulated. I'm sure that there's discretion from troop to troop, you know. I was a Boy Scout. And, uh, you know, my sister was a Girl Scout. And, you know, there were some good things that, that were taught through that. But I'm not using this to slam on the organization. I'm just saying this is what is out there. This is what our kids are being exposed to. This is what our society is saying is the norm. And you don't need to, me to tell you this. 
in order to figure this out, that it's not working. You don't need me to come up here and give a message on sex. Because we understand that life is more complicated when we rip out of the context, when we rip sex out of the context that God had designed it. The way that we're approaching sex, the way that we market it, the way that we use sex to advertise, the way it's on every music video, and it's the way it's portrayed, you know, it's just not helping us as a society. And some of you are, are, are thinking, yeah, that's true, and, and others are thinking, eh, I don't know if I agree with this, and that, that's, that's really okay. I just want to look at what, what some of what the scripture says, but we're not better off. You're not better. I'm not better off. We, we have bought into a lie and we're paying a price in this day and age because of decisions that have been made in our own lives. And, and the thing that's really the rip-off is that for most of us, or for many of us, for some of us, I guess I just retracted several statements, but the choices that we made when we were 18, 16, 19, 20, those freshman college years, those choices that we made in this area... You know where it made our lives worse off? Not in that stage, but in the next stage of life. It's, it's impacted us more in the stages to come. Maybe some of you are single. Maybe you're in the whole dating thing right now. and, and you, Maybe you've, you're wrestling with this whole issue. and you, you're, you're struggling to not buy into this, the culture's pull in this area of just, you know, just have sex, regardless of with whom and where and when. And... I've got to let you know, if it feels like it's working right now, just wait. It's not going to work out. It does not get better. A couple of relationships down the road, another stage of life, you're going to look back on this time and you're going to, you're going to have some problems. You're going, to be, you're going to be hitting points of confusion and complication. And if we were God, and we were to look into our culture and look into our society and see what's happening, I mean... The, everything from child abuse to everything that's exploiting children sexually, what's happening in Africa, the way that Africa is just being torn apart because of AIDS. You know, and AIDS is really a, it's, it's ripping that continent apart. Millions of children are growing up without parents because of sex, a misapplication of sex. If, if, and we just listen to the news stories, you know, listen to everything that's coming through the radio, through the TV. Think about the top news stories that you've heard in the last couple of years. If you, many of those have a sexual component to them. Many of them, there's a twist. There's this deception on this area. And we have got to spot it. And it's like there's this message coming at us. It's not working. It's not working. We hear this all. It's not working. Broken, broken, broken. And God, He asks, if you were God, what would you say about sex? based on the way that things are looking in our society. Be careful. Be safer. You know, be responsible. If you were God and you saw the giant mess that we're in as a society, you would have something to say that is radically different than the culture. It's very different. Because He loves you. He loves us. And He, and he, he, has, he has some insight into this area that could bring tremendous relief to our lives and could begin to unravel the complication. But he would say the opposite of what culture is saying to us. You know, culture, here's a newsflash, culture is out to make a dollar. But God, he loves you. Culture just trying to make a buck. God, he loves you. And his interests, he's looking after our interests. He wants the best for us. And I don't even need to read anything out of the Bible though to get 
this point across that it's just not working, the way we're viewing this topic. Because we all pay a price every single day. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I was taught this old-fashioned truth of sex is for married people. It's so old-fashioned, isn't it? I just... Uh, that's what I was taught. You know, and I, I thought, you know, that's... Yeah, that works. And I, I kind of wrestled with that. But early on, early on, about the fourth grade, I remember being at a friend's house at an age way too early to be able to process inf- information like this. And, and my friend pulled out some dirty magazines from his brother's room and said, check this out. And I remember, and I could still, I have these vivid memories about what I saw. And at that age, you're not able to process all of that. Because you're, you're at, in fourth grade, you're not quite sure about how all that department works. And so, my education began to speed up, and my interest began to speed up because I was exposed to things that were out of place, out of context, out of order. And, and you know what? That didn't make my life any better. And if, if you can relate to that, if you can identify with that, that has not made your life any better, has it? It's made your life more complicated. And it introduced, to me at least, it introduced a lie that, that I've had to wrestle with on into adulthood. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a twist from the enemy in this area, and he just loves to get us and to, and to deceive us in this area about sex. And I remember seeing family members making choices during their teenage years that resulted in pregnancy and therapy and, and really set up close people in my life for a lifelong struggle for intimacy. And, and, and as, a, as a teenager, I remember being somewhat afraid of that area. Because I didn't, I wasn't sure. I'd seen people making decisions that I, w- I knew I wasn't ready to handle the, the uh, consequences for and the outcome for. And, and I remember I drowned myself in sports partially so that I could escape the temptation. And to, so partially I could just avoid and run away from some of the things that I knew would be right up in my face if, if I dove in. And so I tried to just run from parties, from girls, and from, and from sex. And I drowned myself in sports. But about my junior year, I couldn't run any further. Hormones really were raging. And uh, this whole lie about sex is just, you know, it's just an activity. It was louder than ever. And, and I busted right through those boundaries and... Did those experiences help me? No. Did they, did they make my life any better? They, they have brought guilt, pain, a whole lot of memories that I, I just can't seem to completely erase as an adult. My life and our lives are more complicated because of this issue. And I know we all can agree on that. But in college, I, I came to a point where I hit the bottom... And I decided, I, this is not working. My life is not better. It's not working. Some people got in my face, challenged me to really surrender my life to the Lord. And, and I decided, I want to yield my life to Christ and go in a different direction. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of pain. It was messy. But I, I came to a point where I said, God, I want you to be the boss of my life. And I want you to take control of even this area. But I, I paid a price in this area. And I know... Some of you have as well. Now I occasionally, as a, as a pastor, now I, I talk to people about different things. And, you know, if this t- 
topic ever comes up. I meet people who wish they could just go back and miss out on many, many things in their childhood. I'm one of them. And maybe you're, you know, you just think, I wish I could have started over. I wish I could miss out on some of those things. You know, but nobody looks back and says, gosh, if I had just slept with more people. My life would have been so much better if I just had more sex, if I had different kinds of sex, if I had experimented more. You know, the reason why I'm struggling today is because of a lack of sex. You don't hear that, do you? The reason is because that's a lie. That's why we've never heard that story. That's a lie. So why do I even need to say this? Why do we even need to look at this? The reason is because we're obviously missing the point. There's some things we're missing in this area. It's become so twisted. We're paying a price. But the truth is, Scripture's clear. Sex is for married people. Not for adults who are ready. Not for consenting adults. But it's for married people. God has actually given some direction in this area. And it's kind of like a fire. It's like a fire that is, you know, a fire is good when it's in the fire pit. Wouldn't you agree? It's good when it's in the fire pit. When it's in the ring, that's a good thing. But fire's not good just raging through the forest, you know. I, I grew up, you know, backpacking, but the problem was never the fire. The problem was the location of the fire, right? If it gets out of the pit, it's, it's, it's a problem. I remember backpacking, oftentimes we'd collect sticks, we'd build a fire, my dad would bring matches, you know, but if we ever tried to take sticks out of the fire and run through the forest, there was a problem. Because again, fire's intended to be in a certain location. The problem is not the fire, it's, it's the location of the fire. And so, you know what? Outside, these little sparks outside of this fire pit can be extraordinarily destructive in, in our world. And that, that's the way that sex works. Outside of this location that God has set, outside of marriage, it can be extraordinarily destructive. There's tremendous pain because of this area. And, and before you get all bent out of shape at me or at God, or oh, I want you to, to understand one thing. God created sex. It was his idea. He stacked the first pile of wood. He brought the matches. He, he threw the lighter fluid on it. And whoof. This was his idea. This was his handiwork. This was his design. This wasn't something that Adam and Eve just thought up in the garden. Hey, look at you. Look at me. This seems to work. And really, this was God's design. You know, th- God is pro-sex. It was his idea. He designed humans with the ability to have sex. For multiplication, for enjoyment. God designed this. And so we can't think, well, God's just trying to stamp all the fun out of this, out of my life. I'm having so much fun living the way I'm living. And God's not trying to stomp the fun out of your life. God created this, this area. It was his idea. And, and not surprisingly, he has a lot to say about sex in the Bible. Old Testament, the New Testament, he has a lot to say about it. And I want to focus primarily on a passage of scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is in the second part of the Bible. It's the seventh book of the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. And if you have your Bible, if you'd like to follow along, that'd be great. There's outlines that you can follow along some of these verses. Also be up on the screen. Uh, but we're going to start in the middle of this passage and we're going to look back to understand some of the context of this of these verses. But 1 Corinthians chapter 16 chapter 6 um, 
Paul had planted a church. He'd begun a church in, a, in an area called Corinth. And he's writing a letter back. And I'm going to skip around a little bit, but verse 18 is where we're going to start. He planted a, a church in a culture that believed that sex was just an activity. And that's the twist. You'll see that in your outline. The twist is this. Sex is just an activity. It's just, it's just recreational. And that's what we bought into. That sex is just for fun. It's just an activity. So we go there, we have a little sex, then we go home. We go over there, we have a little more sex, we go home. We go over there, have a little more sex, go home. Get in front of the computer, have a little sex, go home. Dude, go over to this place, go to this bar. We have a little sex, we just... It's just an activity. This is just what we do. And what Paul is saying, look, this is not just an activity. There's more to it. So he drops into this culture that had believed in that lie. In fact, in that culture, in Corinth, you could go into the temple, you could worship a pagan deity, a pagan god, and you could have sex with a temple prostitute. And then you could pay for the prostitute, and that whole thing was considered worship. And so Paul, you know, and then you could leave, you know, you have sex with the prostitute, you pay for it, you go home, eat dinner with your kids, go to a soccer game. You know, that was just a normal, common occurrence. This was just an activity. And so Paul, he's dropping into that kind of culture, which is very much like our culture that we live in. And he says, okay, where do I start? Let me just start with these words. And so, verse 18 start here. It says, flee. Here's God's take on the whole thing. He says, flee. It's a pretty strong word. Flee from sexual immorality. That is, the word flee, that is run away from it. Don't flirt with it. Get as far away as you can from it. Flee. Don't get close to it. Don't entertain yourself. Flee sexual immorality. And that verse makes sense because we think, yeah, that makes sense. I think, I think we all should flee sexual immorality. What I'm doing isn't sexually immoral. But I think we ought to flee as a culture, as a society. But these things that I'm doing, that's not immoral. That's just between consenting adults. We're, we're not, I'm not forcing anything. That's not, I'm not harming anyone. Nobody, you know, that's not immoral. And I think we live in a culture that, that we get to redefine the word. I mean, so real quick, what I like to do is redefine, or is define what the Bible says immorality is. So here's what the Bible, in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, immorality is sexuality or sensuality outside the context of marriage. That's what immorality is. It's sexual activity or intentional sensuality outside the context of marriage. That's what the Bible considers immorality. And so Paul's saying, look, when it comes to sex or sensuality outside of marriage, outside the location that God's like, you've got to flee, you've got to run away from that. It's dangerous. And then listen to this next phrase because it's, it's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. It probably needs to be on a billboard somewhere because it's so important. Look, look what he says. All, all other sins, all other sins. I want you to hang on and circle that phrase. All other sins. What Paul is saying is, there's all kinds of sins out there, isn't there? There's all kinds of sins. There's stealing, there's cheating, there's lying, there's, there's murder. He says all other sins, but when it comes to sexual sin, he's saying they're in a category all of their own. He's, he's, he's saying this is different. He's not saying that 
that God necessarily views it any different, but there's something different about sexual sins. And so you want to say, Paul, you mean all other? Yeah, he's saying, yep, I'm about to make a comment about sexual sin. Because when it comes to sexual sin, it's in a category all by itself. It's not that God gets bent out of shape over this area. What it is is that it impacts us differently. God doesn't go ballistic over this, but our, it's not God's response to sexual sin. It's our response to sexual sin that he's concerned with. It's not God's reaction. It's the way that we react to this area. Because sexual sin takes a toll on a human being in a different way, in a different category than everything else that we do that would be considered sin. And anybody who's a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor who's studying these things would say, you know what, I've never thought of it that way, but that is absolutely true. Because a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, who was sexually molested at such a young age, when she's 47, 48 somehow, she's still carrying that around with her. She's still holding on, she's still not able to get away from some of these thoughts. And in her case, or his case, it wasn't even a sin, it was the sin of somebody else. But, this is different. This has a different kind of impact. And she or he is still being impacted. And that's that next point, because sexual sin has a different impact than any other sin. This is very different. The consequences are very different. Because when it's taken out of what God designed, it is extraordinarily destructive to our lives. But we, we really already know that's the truth. And then here's what he says, his explanation. I'm going to jump back to verse 15 here. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, Do you know, because they, they didn't know, but he says, Do you know that your bodies, your physical bodies, are members of Christ himself? He's referring to this thing that we've looked at in the past as a church that when we come together as physical, you know, we come together, we're the body of Christ. We represent Christ. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his eyes, we're his ears. We accomplish his work in the world. We're generous, we give. We do the work of Christ on the earth. And so he's, he's talking about that. He says, your physical bodies, you know, you're members of Christ himself. And then he says, shall I then take the members of Christ and... Now catch this next word, unite. Circle the word unite. Because unite is a key issue. This is what, where I really want to land. Because unite, the word to unite means to fasten. It means to glue. It means to permanently attach. That's what the word means. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Now remember, he's addressing a specific issue about what they were doing in their culture. But this applies to us in our culture. And his audience is going, whoa, that's a little strong there, Paul. We're not uniting, we're just having sex. And who said anything about gluing or, you know, fastening? We're just, that sounds like a permanent thing, Paul. You kind of misunderstood what's going on. Somebody's giving you the wrong information Look, Paul, i got to be honest, last week, that whole temple thing that I did, I don't even remember her name. It didn't matter to me. We weren't uniting. And Paul's going, you know what? You've united. He says, you don't understand sex. You think it's just physical. You think it's an activity. And Paul's saying, it's a lot more than that. You want to draw a circle around it, Christians in Corinth. He's saying, you want to just kind of label it something and call it that, but you don't understand it's much 
much deeper than that. You need to understand these things. I'm telling you, and here's the point. When you have sex with somebody, this is what Paul is driving at. When you have sex with somebody, you unite with them. Paul, that, that sounds kind of permanent. Paul's going, yeah, let me, let me go on and explain. Verse 16. Verse 16 says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And again, no, we're not one. We're just, we just had this deal and, you know, it's over. It was spring break. I was 18, you know, it just, I was 24. We spent the night. I got up, you know, before she even woke up. And she, you know, she's not pregnant. I asked God to forgive me and I moved on. And Paul's saying, no, you, you've united. You thought it was just an activity. He's saying, this is more than that. You see, when you have sex with someone, you glue, you become one with them. And then when you separate, they take part of you and you take a little part of them. Because there's something permanent about it. And we, and the, the truth is, that there's a reason that you and I cannot laugh about. And you know, we can laugh about all sorts of stupid things we did growing up. Some of the things we did that were kind of sinful and they're kind of funny at the same time. But when it comes to our sexual sin or when it comes to this area, we cannot laugh about this because it takes a different toll on us. It has a way different impact. See, when you're with your husband or you're with your wife, there are these ghosts, these thoughts that come up and you're like, man, what was that? I thought I dealt with that. Well, that's, that's the impact of sexual sin. And you're trying to be honest with your kids about sex and you're, and then there's all this head noise about your own past and you're wrestling with what, what you should instruct your kids to do. Do you want them to do it your way, the way that they, the way that you handle this area? Do you want them to do it differently? There's all this head noise. And, or you're getting married and you weren't sure that you were going to bring all this stuff up but it just keeps coming up and you feel like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest and tell them what, what I've done, what I've been involved in. It's because sex is more than an activity. And Paul's going, oh no, somebody, you've bought the lie. Nobody told you, but this is not just some physical thing. Sex was God's way to physically illustrate and to create a sense of intimacy. And you know what you've done? He's saying, sex is about intimacy. And when you take sex out of the context that God designed it for, you damage your intimacy factor. We damage this intimacy ability we foul up our ability to be intimate. We tweak, we undial what God has designed for us to be intimate. Not just intimate physically, but this whole amazing thing that He's created of intimacy, we mess with it and it, it messes up our life. It complicates things. That's why if you were abused, if there was rape, if there was any kind of, you know, if, even if it was somebody else's sin, in those areas, you still probably struggle in the realm of intimacy because sexuality is about intimacy. It's not just an event that you can just shove under the carpet. And Paul, he goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, in the beginning of the Bible, God already introduces this area of sex and what happens in sex. And, and so Paul takes us back and quotes from Genesis chapter 2. And he says this, he says, Don't you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, and he quotes the book of Genesis, the two, talking about when Adam, <clears throat> when God created Adam and Eve, he says the two will become one flesh. 
There's something, there's oneness. The two will become one flesh. And when two people unite in sex, there is a oneness. And the truth is, this explains some of our struggles in life. Because there's a oneness that happens in sex that you cannot completely undo in life. You kind of, when you have sex with someone and then you separate, you rip it apart. You rip apart a union that God, that, that, that you formed with that person. They take a little piece of you, you take a little piece of them. And you carry that on into your life. And you know what? This impacts our ability to experience intimacy. And, and if you're hurting, I understand. I mean, I, this has brought me pain in my life. And, and God, He loves us with a deep, compassionate love. But He wants to get our attention in this area. He doesn't want us just to keep moving in the direction that culture is moving. But we... We don't hear about this. Have you ever heard in culture that this is the impact of sex? No, you, you don't hear that. Have you ever heard this implied in movies that we watch? No, it's just funny. You know, and there's, we don't think about this impact. But God, He's not silent on this issue. God, <clears throat> He loves us. And so He has expressed in the Bible how important it is. And so what He says is, look... Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Why, God? Because it's dangerous? Because I might get sick? No. Because I might get pregnant? No, we can deal with all of those things. The danger is you're messing up your ability to be intimate with a person. This is a big deal. That's why the Old Testament and the New Testament, it addresses these things. Listen to where it goes, verse 18. We looked at this verse again. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually, he who sins sexually sins against his own body. God is saying, listen, you're going to hurt yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're choosing to do something painful here. And we're thinking, I didn't hurt myself. I got out of there scot-free. I changed my number. She doesn't even know my name. You're hurting yourself. This does serious damage. God's saying, look, you don't understand. And so there's a couple responses to this message. The first response is this. is to think, you know what, that is so stupid. That's exactly what I thought when this message began. I knew you were going there and you went there. You had to do that. And you know, that is just so 20, you know, 2,000 years ago. And I understand why you think that. But here's what I would say. Just one word. If you're thinking that. The word would be remember. Remember. Because one day, like me, when I said I hit the bottom in this area and I was ready, I was empty, and I was ready for change, I really wanted life to be different. And I wanted to know how to escape from some of this stuff. And I wanted to, I didn't want the rest of my life to carry on the pattern that I had begun with. And so, one day you might hit rock bottom and, and, and you might reach out for help. And I, I would encourage you to remember what God has to say about this area. Or maybe you'll, you'll wake up and you're just, you're at the top of your game. You've got more money, you've got more women, you've got more men, you, you've got everything you've ever wanted, but one day you look in the mirror and you're just empty. You recognize, you know what, I've got all this stuff, but I'm still empty. And you cannot seem to squeeze out of the people around you the intimacy. You can't squeeze out of that... 
husband, that wife, that, that girlfriend, that boyfriend. You can't squeeze out of them the intimacy that God designed you to experience. Because this area has been damaged. And until you do something different, until you do something about it, this will not go away. <clears throat> There's another group of people that you, you might be here and you're thinking, you know what, that's me. You don't have to convince me any longer. I, I kind of knew this was the case. I knew I needed to do something about this. What am I supposed to do? There, I've got an Old Testament word <clears throat> for you. And this is really what I had to do. If the word begins with an R. It's, it's repent. Repent. You might write that down. We're told to repent or flee from our sexual immorality. Repent, what it means is to turn away. It means to go the opposite direction. God wants us to repent of our sexual sin. If we have messed up in this area, He wants us to repent. It's, it's to get alone with God and to go back to the point where we decided sex was just an activity. To get to those moments, to get to those experiences, those instances, get on our knees and just say, God, I chose to do life in a way that was completely wrong. And it's done a tremendous deal of damage. And I'm repenting. I'm turning from that. I'm, I'm, I want to go a different direction in my life. <clears throat> but God, I'm going to ask you to bring up those memories because I want to say once and for all, God, forgive me. I have blown it in this area. I've messed up. Please, please, I confess these things. Would you forgive me? I don't want to carry this stuff into my future any longer. You know, I had to come to that point. At any time when, when those thoughts come back up, I just, I just say, Lord, thank you so much for forgiving me. Thank you so much for, for taking me in a different direction. And at any time <clears throat> where my thoughts run the wrong direction, I need to stop and I need to repent of those thoughts, that thinking. I need to get moving in the right direction. And you know what? All of us battle and we pay a price for this area every single day. And so I've got some, some thoughts for you as far as application... <clears throat> but you, you, all of us really need to figure out what does this mean to flee from sexual immorality? What does that look like? Specifically, what does that mean? Maybe you need to quit going to certain places. Maybe you need to stay home on the weekends. Maybe you need to... Uh, maybe you need to talk to a friend. Maybe you need some trusted accountability friends who will help you in this area. But whatever it is, you need to let God speak to you in this area. Maybe you need to spend a year without dating. If you're in this area and you're struggling, you keep, maybe you need to just take a year off of dating and just say, God, I'm going to commit this year to just growing my intimacy with you and allowing you to heal some of this stuff from my past. Maybe you need to break up. Maybe you need to get married. Maybe you need to move out. God, God wants to deal with some of these issues in our life. He doesn't want us just to believe the lie and say, you know, it's just a little bit of a lie. And it's, this is a different kind of issue. But repentance means that you take some drastic measures. The reason why we have to take drastic measures is because it's dangerous. This is dangerous. We've never been to zoos where the animals are just roaming free because that's dangerous. And this, you know, and, and you do that, you go to a zoo where, you know, you get an up-close and personal experience with the, the wildlife, you know, they might kill you. That's why we don't do that. But this is even more dangerous than that. This won't just kill you. This can kill generations of you if you don't deal with this. This can reach into your marriage. This can reach into your family. This reaches into us because this is a soul issue. It's a lot more than just an activity. 
Some of you might be married, and this message is, is, is bringing back some of the stuff from before you got married. And maybe, you know, you slept together because you were going to get married anyway. And so why not? And maybe you need to repent together. You need to get, get alone together and say, you know what? We blew past some boundaries. We need to get together and we need to call this what it is. It wasn't just that we made a mistake, God, but we have sinned in this area. Would you heal us? Would you save our marriage? Would you heal, our, with our, would you heal us? Would you cleanse us in our thinking? Give us the ability to be intimate again with each other. Give us the ability to be intimate with you, God. These are serious issues. And you know what's interesting? While I'm saying this, some of you, you're thinking, you know what, that is so true. I understand and this is what I need to do. This is my next step. I need to take action in this area. And I'd encourage you to, to allow God to speak to you. To do business with Him. Final verses and then we're done. Verses 19 and 20. This is how the passage ends. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, the bottom line here, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. This is a challenge to us all. It means getting up every morning and saying, God, I surrender my body to you. My hands, my eyes, my ears, I surrender these things to you. God, I want you to use this dying, decaying, broken down, damaged body and redeem it for something useful for you, for your purposes. I don't want to go where you don't want me to go. I don't want to see what you don't want me to see. I don't want to listen to what you don't... God, I want to honor you with my body. So would you you be willing to do that today? To allow God to speak to you specifically with a a specific action step. As we go to the Lord in prayer, let's pray. And Cody and the the band's going to come up and lead us in some time. And Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we continue to listen to him. Father, this is, this is such a difficult topic because, God, so many of us are feeling the pain and the damage and the impact of sexual immorality and sexual sin. And God, none of us can even escape from the temptation to blow past the boundaries and to just rip sex out of the context you designed. Lord, none of us can just go live in a cave and go move to a country where this isn't an issue. God, this is a human issue. And in our condition, Lord, we all are paying a price. And so God, we just, God, we just ask you for help. Lord, many of us here, we need to just get before you. And we need to let you speak to us. And we need to come up with a, with a, we, we just need to receive your forgiveness, Lord, as we admit and as we confess some things. Lord, but I pray that you would, you, you would not allow us just to sweep this area under the carpet. Because this is so, so impacting. And so God, I just, I pray that you'd, um, you'd show each person here just how powerful, how loving, how forgiving, how much of a healer you are, Lord, as, as we do life the way that you've designed it, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.